anyway. Um, but they had a vision that this town center would become a house of prayer. And at 3 a.m., Jimmy was saying, would you pray and agree with this vision? Could we just take a moment right now and just agree with a vision that this, these elders believe God spoke to them in Africa? That this place was going to be where darkness is entrenched, it's going to be rooted out, and that place is going to become a house of prayer. Can, you, can, we, can we agree with that? Could, could we just stand in agreement of this? And come on, just agree with me. Father, come on, we just, we just agree. Amen. We just agree right now in Jesus' name that where God darkness is entrenched, where the enemy God has uh, just uh, really has a stronghold in this area. But God, what we've been talking about this weekend and what we believe, what we sang about today is that Jesus is the life giver. Amen? Come on. Jesus is the life giver. And so God, in this broken, beat down, poverty stricken area, we say may the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ be made known. Come on. Paul said I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's power. So we stand in agreement and say God, may this become a place of transformation, of healing, of deliverance. May this be a place God where the gospel is made known where people don't get inebriated God on, on, on wine or drink God they, they get touched by Holy Spirit they don't get drunk on wine they get, they get filled with the Holy Spirit Ephesians 5.18 God and so God we pray for Jimmy we pray God for their team we pray God for just multitudes to come to faith and may wells be dug in this area. In Jesus' name we agree. Amen. Come on, church. Come on. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Um, I don't say much about this, but we have partner cards. If anyone wants to partner with our ministry, and we have people that give $1 a month, $5 a month, makes no difference. It just, it's people all over the United States have been partnering with our ministry. And, and anyway, the cards are back on the table. If you want to partner, a large portion of what, what you partner with goes into um, ministries such as that. We actually fund 50 different ministries, but this is our biggest and our greatest right now. And, and uh, anyway, I have videos where these people have never seen running water coming out of the ground. It's just incredible. So, all right. Good deal. You guys have your Bibles? Yes. I have this ancient document. I get made fun of by this, this uh, skinny tall guy named Jeremiah Bullock. But uh, anyway, turn if you would to Colossians chapter 1. He actually gave me an iPad, he, uh, and I haven't, I haven't made the shift yet. I will. I, w I will come to modern times, but Colossians chapter 1, and I want to look at two verses this morning. Colossians chapter 1, you guys can use your phones or iPads, but, but if you're ancient and you actually believe God really speaks through this, I think this is more spiritual. That's just what I think. I'm just sorry about that. Jesus carried a Bible, not an iPad. <laughs> anyway, I found that in the second chapter of Jude. All right, here we go. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Uh, Calvary said we, we get out at 2.30. Is, is that right? Yes. So, okay. I just, I just wanted to check with you guys. All right, Colossians 1, 
verses 13 and 14. For he rescued us. By the way, I'm reading from the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. It's, it's, uh, I find it to be the most accurate to the original language. Um, so it uh, would probably read much different than like the other translations. Alright, here we go. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Oh my goodness. Those are loaded verses. I'm just telling you right now, man. So one more time. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Is that not a yay God? Amen. It's just incredible. So, so this weekend we've been talking about um, kingdom lifestyle. Now, now what is that? Well, kingdom, you understand, was the central message that Jesus taught. It was the message that he lived. When he came, his inaugural message in Matthew 4, 17 was what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is is at hand. The at hand simply means a phrase that it's accessible. And then the idea of repenting, by the way, is to change your thinking. Repentance is not crying. You can cry but never repent. You can feel bad for your sin but never repent. We've seen scores of people come to the altar and cry in remorse over what happened, over what they did, but they never really change or reorient their disposition. To repent means you literally change your thought process and you no longer think from an earthly mindset or an earthly realm. You think consistently from a kingdom perspective. That's repentance, you see. And then watch, for three and a half years, Jesus demonstrated how to live out of a kingdom perspective. So he walked on the kingdoms of earth, but he lived out of, he was sourced by the kingdom of heaven. Every single day, Jesus was sourced by a superior realm. And so living from a superior realm in an inferior realm, his life brought transformation. Every miracle was an example of a superior realm, the kingdom, invading the kingdoms of this earth. Every, every healing, everything Jesus did was being sourced by the realm of the kingdom. He was the prototype for you and me. He was how we can live today. Right? Come on, we have a motto in our tribe. Christ-like disciples. Man, we want to be just like Christ. Luke 6 verse 40 says, When we're all equipped, we're going to be just like our teacher. 1 John 2 6 says, All of us, if we claim to walk in Him, we'll walk just as He walked. Man, that's phenomenal. Every single day, Jesus being sourced by the kingdom. Watch. You never find Jesus reacting to circumstances like we would. Right? I mean, you ask the average believer how they're doing and what are they going to say? They're going to tell you two major problems in their life and then they're going to throw in pray for me at the end. And that's a commentary on the way most people live. They live reactionary to what's happening around them. But I'm proposing to you, Jesus did not live in reaction to what was going on around him. He lived in response to what was happening through him from the realm of the kingdom. 
You don't see Jesus nervous, do you? You don't see Jesus tense and stressed out. You don't see Jesus with a cigarette like, hey, Peter, light me up, man. No, it's funny to think that. But why would we be that way? Well, that's Jesus. I know, but he lives inside us. See, we can be sourced by the same thing that he was. So that's what we've been talking about. Living this kingdom lifestyle here on earth. Come on, gang. Do we believe that's even possible? I mean, what chance do we have in Lantana and these people driving by? What chance do we have in this region to make a difference? What chance do we have in our schools? What chance do we have in our communities if we're not living from a kingdom perspective? Now, the pushback, it's always the same. Number one, people say, well, you know, there's an enemy. After all, he comes, he's a thief, John 10.10. 10. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and I mean, there's just, we just got this enemy that's, that's constantly, you know, just constantly in our ear. Just constantly. So we've got an enemy problem. And then others will say, well, Rob, the real issue is, see, sin. Man, we're just all sinners and there's nothing we can do about it. And yeah, he can save us, but we're going to struggle all through life because of sin. And it just, it's the sin issue that keeps us from really living like we should. We, we know we could do better, but we just can't. We're better than we used to be, but not good as we could be. And it's just the sin issue. Well, here's the deal. These two verses deal with those two major issues. That's good news. Did my mic shut off? Okay, you're there. These two, listen, these two verses deal with those two issues. It deals with the sin issue and it deals with the enemy issue. Okay, let's look at them. Let's start in verse 14. This, this is the sin issue. Listen to what he says. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, Whatever redemption is, understand the end result is the forgiveness of sins. It's an interesting term that means the complete separation from what was on you. It actually was a word used for divorce. But it's not just the separation of sin. It's also the separation from the legal aspect of what sin was causing in your life. So forgiveness of sin is the complete removal or the divorce of all sin. Think of it this way. Everyone through Christ has had a radical divorce from sin. Didn't that make you want to run around and shout? But not yet. i got to preach. Now watch this. The redemption is what brings forth the forgiveness of sin. Now what is redemption? Well, there are four different words in the New Testament for redemption. Incredible words. Here's the first word. The first word is used. You don't have to look at this, but if you're taking notes, you can write it down. It's in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20. And it says this. You were bought or you were redeemed at a great price, honor God with your body. Now, this word for redemption is the Greek word agorizo. Agorizo is a verb that comes from a root noun, agora. Agora is simply a word that means marketplace. So when we say agora, we just say marketplace. Some people have what's called agoraphobia, which is a fear of open places. So in first century, when a woman would say to her husband, sweetie, I'm going to the agora. She was going shopping. She was going to the marketplace. And that's where you would buy, sell, and you would get produce and that kind of a thing. 
Another thing that happened in the Agora, in the open arena, the area rather, was slave trading. And they would bring slaves in and stand them up on blocks and they would trade slaves and barter and sell. Despicable practice. By using the word agorizo or agora, Paul was trying to emphasize a type of redemption and where it took place. Let me explain. Paul used language such as in Romans 6 verse 17 that we were slaves to sin. Or Romans 7 verse 14, we were sold into bondage. By using the word agorizo, he was saying that Jesus redeemed us in the marketplace. Now you say, what's so big about that? It's this, that in Christianity, we have a God that does not expect us to find Him. We have a God that found you. Christianity is the only sect, the only faith system that has a God that anxiously sought for you. You don't find tranquility. You don't find peace. You don't find nirvana. You don't find this place where everything's blissful. You don't find anything because you were lost. All of us outside of Christ are hopelessly, helplessly lost in a marketplace of sin. But redemption was not God saying, come to me, I want to help you. Redemption is Christ leaping off his throne and entering into the arena of the sin market and transacting business for you and me. Did you understand? I Listen, I didn't find him. He found me. I was lost. And he came into the slave market of sin where I was. That's good news. That's one word for redemption. There's a second word. The second word is found in Titus 2 verse 14. And this is the verse that says that Christ, he redeemed us from every lawless deed. He purified us for his own possession. He made us zealous for his good works. Now, the word redemption here is a, is a word lutro. Lutro refers to something that is used for a ransom. So, going back to the marketplace, if you're in the marketplace, you've got to have some type of currency to transact business. Without currency, you're out. You have to have currency. So Jesus came into the marketplace to transact business for you and me, to, to literally redeem our lives in the marketplace of sin. But what currency did Jesus use to transact business? His blood. Oh my goodness, he's exactly right. So that's why in Ephesians 1, 7, we read, we were redeemed through his blood. Or Colossians 1, 20, we have peace with God through his blood. Or 1 Peter 1, 19, we're not, we're not saved by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Or Hebrews 9, 12, we enter into the most holy place, not through the blood of goats and bulls, but the blood of Jesus Christ. How many believe that the blood of Jesus Christ is still sufficient to legally buy us out of sin? Oh my gosh, that's so good. So, Jesus came into the marketplace to transact business. That's the first word. The second word, lutro, he used his blood to legally transact the business on our behalf for redemption. Then there's a third word in the New Testament. 
It's found in Galatians 3 verse 13. And it says we were redeemed from every curse. Alright. Now this is the first word. Agorizo. Except for it has a prefix. E-X. Ex agorizo. And whenever you have a prefix, it defines how the verb is being used. So you would put this together this way. We were redeemed out. So Christ not only came into the marketplace of sin to transact business on our behalf. Number two, he not only used his blood for currency to transact the legal business for our behalf. But the third word indicates that Jesus took us out of the marketplace of sin. He never left us in sin any longer. And then you come to this word here. In our text, where Paul says, redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And this is such a fascinating word. Okay, this is a compound word. Don't worry about trying to say it. It's apolatrosis, but it's a word, the root being redemption. But there's this idea of a prefix. And the way it's used with the root word means that we were, are you ready for this? We were redeemed back. Into a relationship with God as if we never sinned. Now, I really thought you'd be running around on that one. Come on, church. Now, you think this through. Watch. To be redeemed back into a relationship with the Father as if we had never sinned. In fact, watch this. The first word, Jesus came into the marketplace. The second word, he transacted business by his blood while in the marketplace. The third word, watch, he took us out of sin. This word implies that he took sin out of us. Who teaches this stuff? Well, brother, we're all sinners. Hey, man, we're all going to sin every day. And listen, people's experience becomes their highest revelation. See, not according to the word, brother. The word indicates that redemption takes place to such an extent that we're redeemed in such a manner that the very heart of sin is removed and we're given brand new natures. Isn't that good news? Like we've been talking, Jeremiah been, and I had been talking. Does that mean restored back into, some scholars call that Adamic relationship. This sounds like I'm cussing, stay with me. The Adam relationship with the Father. In other words, when Adam was created, he was not created with any sin. And so some scholars say this word implies that we're brought back into an, an Adam, an Adamic relationship with the Father. But we've been talking that, that Adam, even though he was created the way he was, did not fulfill his intended purpose. Therefore, the last Adam, Paul says, of Christ came and demonstrated how we could live. Which makes more sense because Jesus prayed in John 17 verse 21 that as one with the Father as He was, all of us would be one with the Father too. And so that means this word indicates that we can replicate Christ not just in the style of His life, but in the nature of His being. Are you guys getting this? 
10 of you seem convinced. Let, let, let me show you something real quick. Let me show you something. Go, go, to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now you understand that, that Paul in verse 17 of, of 5 talks about this new creature. It's a very interesting word that means like completely brand new prototype. Anyway, but look at verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. It says, he made him, who's that? Christ. God made Christ who knew no sin, sin on our behalf. Christ knew no sin. Means there was no intimate understanding of sin. Why? Because Christ did not have a sin nature. Remember, he was sired by Father God. So there was not within Jesus the propensity to sin. He had a nature that replicated the nature of God, which was pure. And so he knew no sin. He had no concept. Neither did he act on sin, nor did he know sin. He was tempted in every single way. He could have chosen to sin, but chose not to sin. You, you got to hear that. He chose not to sin because he was tempted. God can't be tempted, but Jesus was tempted because he was here in the flesh. Fully God, but in the confines of flesh. So he was tempted in every single way that every man and woman in this room is tempted. Yet Jesus chose not to sin, so he never knew sin. He didn't have the activity of sin. He didn't have the nature of sin. It was never a part of him. But the Father, look at this, Poyeo literally fashioned and shaped him into the essence of sin on our behalf. Are you getting this? Literally shaped the one who was perfect into the very essence or the nature of sin. For what reason? Look at this. Here's the clause. The purpose clause is so that we might become. And the word become means to exist as. So that we might exist as or be. This is who we are. Are you ready? That we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Amen. So what are we? Well, we're sinners. But no, we're not sinners. Stop that stuff. Sinners saved by grace. We're the righteousness of God. Nowhere in the New Testament are we called sinners. We're actually called saints. Which is, comes from a word, hagios, that means sanctified ones. Ones who radiate the glory of God. A saint's not something you put on your dash or your mantle at home. Uh, listen, you're the saints of God through Christ. Amen. See, I made this statement. The cross does not reveal your sin. It reveals your value. Your value is he wanted to redeem you and make you the righteousness of God. See, Jesus became what we were so we could become what he is. Are you guys getting this? I'm not trying to convince you, right? I'm just telling you the truth that is incredibly... Incredibly good news, right? Come on. Righteousness. What is righteousness? <laughs> My gosh. Uh, let, let me get. Here's a better illustration. Because I can't define the word. Such an incredible word. Some say it just means to be right with God. Well, yeah. It, like if you really look at the word righteousness, it means to be censored, 
but yet nothing revealed. So I used to do a lot of flying when I traveled. I started traveling in 2009. Now we drive around in a bus. But, but I used to fly. One year I flew, I think, 58 times in one year. Like I knew, I, I would invite TSA to my birthday party. I like I knew them, right? But when I finally got TSA check, which sped the whole process up. But before TSA check, have you guys ever flown? And you know how it is. If you don't have TSA, you're taking your belt off and your watch and your, your, your shoes. And, and, you know, just, and, and then everything has to like, it's just humiliating. And then you stand in this machine, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Come on. And this thing goes, right? Y'all with me? But I love to have a good time. I do. I'm just general goof off most of the time. And this thing, and this big dude. When I say big, of course, look at me. But this was a big dude. And he says, I need you to stand over here on the mat. And so I stand on the mat like this. And, you know, I'm just, I'm wanting to goof off. He's not in a goof off mood. <laughs> and he leans into me and he says, what do you have in your pocket? And he said it with such disdain. I was like, and I started to smile. I said, I don't know, dude. He didn't crack. I mean, it was like he was looking intently in, in, like, what do you have in your pocket? And like when he leaned in and asked me the second time, I started thinking, okay, I think my boys played a trick on me or something, right? Something's going on here. And I started to sweat, which made me look guilty. <laughs> so I'm perspiring. Just instantly, these little beads come out on my forehead. And he's leaning into me. And he says, he says, what do you have in your pocket? And I'm, I was like, dude, I, I don't. He goes, in your front pocket. What do you have in your, it's like he's rude, right? And I'm, I'm like trying not to smile, but I'm sweating like this. And I reach up in my pocket and it's like, oh my gosh, that's what it is. And you have to come to the next revival and I'll tell you what I found. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> I reach into my pocket and it's like, oh my gosh. You know what I had? I had a little piece of chiclet gum. Do you guys, you know what chiclet gum is? It fits in your cavities. It's just a little piece of gum. Because whenever I get on an airplane, I always give Jesus away. Because you're 30,000 feet, 30,000 feet in a tin can and people can't get away from you. What are they going to do? So it's a great time to give Jesus away, man, in the plane. But they won't listen to you if your breath stinks. So I always put gum in my mouth. So I forgot about that. Now watch this. What does righteousness mean? What does righteousness mean? Righteousness means that through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, we can stand in the holiness of God and Him look us over and not find one thing against us. Oh, I can't do that. I know you can't. That's the point. See, this is what He does through you. It's not your efforts. It's not a religion. Well, that's the sin issue. Come on, church. Isn't that good news? Yes. Well, Rob, you almost, you, almost, you almost make it sound like we're perfect. Not perfect in performance, but we are perfected to the... Point of maturation. We have been fully matured in Christ through this redemptive process. You know, John Wesley got in a lot of trouble for teaching this. They just did. Alright, let's go back to our passage. 
So watch this. So we've been redeemed. The sin issue has been taken care of. Look what Paul says. Back up to the next verse. Verse 13. Look at this. He rescued us. It's the word for deliverance. He delivered us out of the domain is the word for authority. So he, watch. He rescued or delivered us out of the authority of darkness. Literally took us out of the authority. Removed us from the authority of darkness. And check this out. And transferred us to the kingdom. transferred us. So the kingdom is not some place we're going when we die. The kingdom is now some place we're in that's going somewhere. Are you getting this? You guys aren't asleep, are you? Transfer. Fascinating word. Transfer. This would be like you working at basement level. You got a job that's, man, everyone just you know, they don't respect you. You get everybody's dirt. You get everyone's mess. You're at the basement. No windows in your office. And there you are. Big high rise. You're in the basement. And then all of a sudden you come into work and they're packing all of your stuff in a box. And you say, what's going on? And they say, you're being transferred. You're going to the top floor and you're going to be an associate to the boss. See, that's a transfer. That's this word here. We've been transferred out of the dominion, out of the authority of darkness. And we've been now brought into a place in the kingdom where now the enemy is supposed to be under our feet. People come to me and they say, the devil's just always on my shoulder. How's he on your shoulder if you're supposed to be transferred into a place of authority? Go, go, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Check this out. Go to Ephesians. Just turn left. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Check this out. So like midway verse 20, it says that God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Alright, so check this out. So, so here's, here's, here's the throne. This is, this is the Father. Alright, this, this is the throne of the Father. Now look at this verse. It says here, it says that Christ was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. Amen. Got it? With me so far? Now look at, look at the next verse. Verse 21. Are you ready? It says, far above. And I looked up the word far above. Guess what it means? Far above. Yeah, it does. You guys agree. Watch this. Far above. Far above. All rule, authority, power and dominion in every name that is named not only in this age but the one to come. Meaning there will be nothing ever exalted over the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus has been exalted to the right hand of the Father. Here's the Father in the King's court. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father far above all rule, authority, power and dominion. In fact, verse 22 says all of the demonic authorities are under Jesus' feet. Yes. 
Like Hebrews 1.13 says that the enemy is actually a footstool to Jesus. In oriental cultures, a footstool is where you would wipe your sandals. So it's like Jesus is wiping his sandals on the enemy. Just stay right there because I got to clean my shoes. So he's far above. Then Paul continues. Ready? Look, you got your Bibles. Look at chapter 2 verse 1. It just continues, right? You were dead. All of us. We were dead. All of us were dead because of trespasses and sins. We got that. We were all dead. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, but God. Ready? But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were dead, had no life in us, he did three things. Ready? He made us alive. He resuscitated us because we were dead. Look at verse 6. He raised us up in him. And then look at this. He seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Are you guys getting this? So you understand what this is saying. If Christ is far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and those things are under his feet, and you've been redeemed in such a way that the nature of Christ is now inside you, you don't have the propensity of sin any longer. By the way, in the church we call that sanctification. Now that we've been sanctified through Christ and now have the nature of Christ in us, now we've been transferred and seated in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And if Christ is far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and you're seated in him, that would mean the enemy is far beneath your feet. This sounds too good to be true. Well, it's called the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is called? Good news. Amen. This is why Paul was not ashamed to tell people about the good news. And we should not be ashamed because the good news is really good news. Do you know how liberating this is? Come on, church. Do you know how free this is? We sing freedom, man. Come on. We truly can be free. Now, watch. We're seated in Christ next to the Father in heavenly realms. Yeah, but we got to go to work on Monday. Mm. Does that mean we leave our posture of being seated? Now watch this. So I started thinking this through. I, I'm visual in my mind. So, so we've got work. We've got grandkids. We've got, we've got you know, a rascal of a spouse. We, we, we've, got, we've got neighbors and their dogs come and do stuff in our yard. And, it just, and it's just, you know, we, we, we've got life, Rob. We, we, we've got life. I understand. So what do we do? Just remain seated and just let things go. Now watch this. No. We remain seated... Why we continue walking. So we never have to leave the position of being at rest spiritually while we walk in the physicality. Are you getting this? So moment by moment by moment we live being sourced from the realm of the kingdom while we're here on earth. 
But life is not striving. Life is resting because we're being sourced. And so when we go to work, we go to work and we, we work in the physicality, but we're being sourced from the spiritual realm. Did you get this? It's just beautiful. Look at this. It changes prayer too. Because prayer is not us down here on the earthly realm saying, Oh God, please come. And we're like these beggarly orphans trying to get his attention. Please come. No, no, no. That's not prayer. Prayer is now I'm seated in heavenly realms partnering with him. And now it's, it's now the kingdom declaration. Father, what do you want to do in this situation? How do you want to handle this, this marriage? God, what do you want to do about this sickness? What do you want to do about this community? God, what, and now see, we're partnering as Peter said. We're co-laborers. See, this is normal Christianity. Not with a chair on your shoulder, but you get the idea, right? Being sourced. I went into a Kroger one time. Cindy said, I need you to go get a, a half a dozen organic apples. That's it. I love going to Kroger. Why? Because I'm, I'm going to Kroger in this posture. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to Kroger like this. Now anything can happen. Right. Folks, do you realize in this position... Okay, watch. Sin's not an issue. Satan's not an issue. Now you're a threat to darkness. The moment you step across the threshold of Walmart, you change the odds as to what can happen in that store because you just walked in there like this. So I'm, I'm at Kroger. I'm, I'm getting apples. Putting apples in a bag. Dude comes up beside me. He's got two little ones. Maybe five, seven, two boys. And I'm standing there. Father speaks to me. Why wouldn't he? I'm in a posture of intimacy. Putting apples in the bag. Just communing. Pray without ceasing. That's what the scripture says. First Thessalonians 5, 17. Just communing. Oh, dad. Putting apples in the bag. Father speaks to me. He says, this guy here, I want you to pray for him. He's had two heart surgeries and he's getting ready to face a third heart surgery in, in about two weeks. So I turned to him and he said, excuse me, sir. I said, would you mind if, if I just pray with you? I asked permission. Right? I'm not going to make a big scene. God wants fruit, not nuts. <laughs> so I'm not going to make a big scene. It's going to be real quiet. Just cool. Just be cool. So I turned to him. He said, hey, hey, dude, could I pray with you? And he looks at me and goes, yeah. I said, you've had two heart surgeries, right? And you're getting ready to face the third one. And his eyes got real big. He goes, how did you know that? And I go, because the Father loves you enough to tell me so I could pray for you. And, and watch, guys. I just, I just, I said, could I just put my hand on your shoulder? Because that would be fine. I put my hand on his shoulder. And I remember the two little boys came up beside him. And they hugged their little daddy. As I just took a moment and prayed, just 30 seconds, Father, in the name of Jesus, I say, heart, be healed. We were at a, I went to a dollar store to get some paper towels for a bus. Buy the paper towels, I start to leave. Father speaks. Ask her about her migraines. How do I know? Because I'm in a position of resting, even though I'm working. I go over and I say, hey, sweetheart. I said, do you get migraines? And she says, oh my God, yes, she's terrible. And she says, then my boyfriend, he gets seizures as a result of them. 
And I said, well, can I pray for you? She says, yeah. And I took her hand. In the name of Jesus. Why? Because I'm seated in heavenly realms. How did I know that? Because heaven is sourcing me. How did Jesus do what he did? Because he was being sourced by heaven. You and I can be sourced by a superior realm. We don't have to be victims of this culture. She said and he did this and that ain't fair. And my boss is doing this and I'm ticked off. Now I'm offended. You can't. Come on church. There's a better way to live. Being sourced out of the realm of the kingdom. And now we can be transformational. We don't have to be victims. We can be victors. And we can live transformationally everywhere we go. Come on man makes for a great life. I was at a speedway getting gas and I, I, I locked it on, right? And I saw this woman. She had like a, on her left knee, she had like this, this I don't know, like a brace thing. I said, what's wrong with your knee, sweetheart? She started in with the M-C-A-L-S-T-P all this stuff. She talked and I started hurting. I was like, oh. I said, hey, can I pray for you? She goes, yeah, that would be good. True story. Listen, I'm not exaggerating. Cow, he exaggerates. I don't. Listen, watch this. I, I said, let me have your hand, honey. And I took her hand. And right here, see? And I said, Father, right now in Jesus' name, I command healing over this knee. The power of God actually touched her knee. She started going, she, she started screaming. She started going, whoa, whoa, Jesus. She started going, whoa, Jesus. It scared me. I don't get scared. I backed away. She's jumping up and down, causing a scene. On the other side of the pump is a dude with a back door. It was open. He had a brace on. He turns to me and looks at me and he goes, do your thing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Fun with Jesus. <laughs> now listen, this sure beats. Yeah, that's uh... can't believe the president. Oh, these guys' prices. Yeah, I lost my job. Just ticks me off. Sure beats that. See, that's the average Christian in churches. Not at this church, but in other churches. about kingdom realities of being sourced moment by moment by moment by moment where our lives actually make an effectual difference in the lives of people that were around. Graham Cook said no one should be safe around a spirit sourced believer. We're super spreaders. I'm on ground floor. I'm so sorry. Bruno's bigger than me and he's going to thrash on me after the service because he told me to stay on the platform. Sorry, Bruno. He's intimidating. But I have the kingdom. So, we were teaching this whole thing and I had some interns and... And so he was, you know... Just learning all this stuff. And so he goes into a coffee shop. And um, he's, uh, he's just really trying to practice this in the community. Goes into a coffee shop, gets coffee, and he leaves. Gets out in the car. Father speaks to him, our intern. He says, tomorrow when you go back in there, I want you to pray for her. And I want you to pray for her uh, left ear because she kept leaning in with her right ear. And he noticed that after Father said that to him. He says, I want you to pray for her left ear. It's, it's deaf. She can't hear anything out of it. 
But he said, more importantly, I want you to pray for the restoration and the healing of her heart. And then Father began to download the information of what happened to this young girl. So the next day he goes in, calls her by name. He says, I want a coffee, but before I get a coffee, he said, the first thing I want to do is I want to pray for your ear. She goes, okay. He goes, I mean now. Remember, he's being sourced. He's being sourced. This isn't his ideas or whims being sourced. I want to pray for your ear, and I'm going to do it now. And so he takes her hand. He prays, very simple. In the name of Jesus, I command this ear to open. Why? Because he's operating with authority. He wasn't telling God what to do. God told him what to do. Right. That's right. Do you see the difference? This isn't me telling him. This is him telling me. Sourced. I command your ear to open in the name of Jesus. And then he said, and now I pray for her heart. That it would be fully healed of the wounds. And he began to pray what happened to her. Do you know what happened to her? She, four years prior to that moment, was date raped. And she was tied up in a shower. And the guy that she was dating at the time punched through a glass shower door and pieces, shards of glass went into her ear, punctured her eardrum. So she had the trauma, the fear, the nightmares, and the deaf ear as a result of all of that. And he prayed, Father, what happened four years ago on this rape, this date rape, I'm saying in Jesus' name, bring healing to her heart. You understand, she never said anything to him. She's weeping. Well, then he leaves, takes his coffee, says, I'll see you a little bit, I'll see you tomorrow. And, and she's overcome, and she says to one of the employers there, you, to watch the store. She goes out, she calls a good friend of her, and she's got the phone up to her left ear with a cigarette in her hand, and she says, Would you stop screaming at me? And then she realized the phone was in her left ear and she could hear. And then she threw the cigarette out the window. She came to our church. She got rededicated to the Lord. And my understanding is, is that she spent most of her life now in missionary work. I know this is a Sunday morning and you, you, don't, you don't know me. But I want to see this church live that way every single moment of every single day. I want to see you guys leave here and just blitz this region being sourced from a kingdom reality and your life become transformational. That Father sources you to bring healing and deliverance and the gospel and, 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 and it doesn't matter what you walk through. It's what's, what's being sourced through you. It isn't like you're not going to have any problems, church. Come on. No. But listen. Take heart. He's overcome. We can overcome. We can prevail in the battle. Does this make sense, church? Come on. Does this make sense? What I've described this morning is normal Christianity. I want to pray for all of you today. 
And how I do altar calls is just, I like people all to come. And, and we're going to do that in just a moment. But, but I want to ask a straight up, straightforward question. With, actually with just no music. Just very quiet. Because I want this to be a very tender moment. As I described this whole sin thing. Would there be people here who would be honest enough, honest enough to say, Rob, the truth is, I've come out of sin, but I don't know if sin has ever come out of me like you described. Is there anyone that would put their hand up like that and say, that's me? Come on, is there someone? Yeah, there's one. There's two. Come on, lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. This is a no shame zone. Yeah, come on. If your hand's up, I want you to come right now. Come up here. Come up here. The way you describe that, Rob, I want that to happen to me. Just come up here. Just make a line across the front. Or you can stand at the altar. That's perfect. Just stand at the altar. You're not coming to me. You're coming to Jesus. Anybody else? Rob, I, what you described... See, that's sanctification. Sanctification is not rules and don't do this, don't go there. Stop that stuff. Sanctification is, is the nature of Christ replacing your nature. To where now you're able to replicate him from the inside out. The propensity of your heart. I woke up this morning, man. Oh, I hope I don't sin. Are you, are you kidding me? I woke up the, this morning saying, I get to press into him today. Anybody else? We're going to pray for everyone here in just a moment. But I wanted to pray specifically for you guys. This is huge. What you're doing today is huge. What you're saying is, is God, I... I know I've come out of sin. There's no doubt about that. But I want this sin thing out of me. I want the nature of Jesus inside of me. If that's even possible, it is possible. So Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. You're so good. You're so good. You're in this place. You're ministering to this precious church. God, these precious people that came here today. Now God, standing across the front are people, God, who believe in the reality. Or they wouldn't be here, God. They believe that somehow, someway, something extraordinary has to happen inside them. They've come out of sin, God. They're born again. They're in Christ. There's no doubt. But to this morning, God, we're praying, may the power of this redemptive Christ, may the power of your Holy Spirit right now reach down on the inside and may the full weight of apolytrosis, this word redemption, occur in every single heart now in the name of Jesus. Removing, God, all sin, all propensity of sin in Jesus name in Jesus name and then like we do when we get born again it's not a magical prayer, just pray after me if you would just if you're standing here Father out loud, in the name of Jesus I pray my heart will be fully cleansed from any and all sin and from this moment on I receive the nature of Christ and may all the propensities and all the desires of Christ himself fill me from the inside out in Jesus name so Father I just thank you so much these are precious precious people and now they're going to live God extraordinary because they're going to have a new nature they're the righteousness of God. They're the righteousness of God. They're not sinners saved by grace. I don't see that in the Bible. What they are, are they are the righteousness of God. 
And we thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This is huge. Can we give these guys a hand? Come on. Can we just bless them? So good. It's real. That's real, man. That's real. That's real. It's so good. I'd love for the rest of you to stand. Would you all stand? Uh, you've made the effort to stand and some of you just went back to your seats. But could we just press in around the front? You understand, we have what's called an altar. And an altar is a place of memory. That's all it is. It's in the Old Testament. They would build an altar of rocks as a place of memory. And that's all it is. So I want you to come and we're going to have a memory of today being a day when we say, okay, as a church, as Lantana community, we're making today like a demarcation. And Bruno, you can come and play now. Thank you, my friend. You can come and play and, and worship however God might be leading you. I want us to press in around the front, the place, the altar, and let this become today like a demarcation. Pastor's already said this, and so I'm not um, saying something that has not already been discussed with me, but um, Pastor had mentioned with Jeremiah and me um, of us coming back sometime in the future and doing something Amen. again with all of you guys. Would, would that be okay? Yeah. Something that would be a little bit more extended. Amen. Maybe for like, I don't know, three weeks, a month. <laughs> we'd just be paying non-paid staff members for a month. And no, I, I'm serious. We'd come back and do some extended teaching and then like, honestly, just deploy us and let's just go to Walmart and just go have fun with Jesus. He wants to use you guys. The enemy does anything. He dumbs down what I said and says you're not good enough. Not you. Oh, this works for Rob, but not you. Stop that stuff. Don't believe that for a second. Every one of you, through Christ, have been redeemed and seated in heavenly realms, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and through you. A lot of times we dumb down what he says because we think we're not good enough to hear what he says. Well, that's silly. That's dumb. Stop that. The next time he speaks to you at Walmart or at Kroger or at Starbucks or wherever you are, the next time he speaks to you to go minister to someone, here's, here, I'm going to make this as practical as I can. You have the, what's called the five-second rule. You know what the five-second rule is? It's not when you drop a french fry on the ground and pick it up real quick and eat it. Because that's not true. My wife's a nurse. She'll tell you the moment it hits the ground, 30 million bacteria gets on that thing and it's no good. But my point is this. You have five seconds to watch. Obey where your heart's leading before your head talks you out of it. Five seconds. It's a five second rule. I'm, I'm right, Richie. Come on. Because God uses you this way. And Richie will tell you that there's probably times he's like, man, this is ridiculous. But he goes with it. There's other people that do this. Pastor does this. Pastor's wife. She's going to do a whole lot more of that. Am I right? Where is she anyway? Oh, man. You're, you're so dangerous. <laughs> Thank you.
today you really are. If you would only recognize the anointing that you carry. So I want us all to recognize that and pray into this that five seconds, man, when we go out into a community, what we carry. We carry all of the kingdom is backing us up. Now anything can happen. And I got lots of stories, but it's not about me. I want to come back and hear stories from you guys. Amen. So Father, God, we thank you today. Come on, we thank you today for redemption. We thank you today, God, for the line of people that pray for sin to be removed out of their hearts. Amen. Come on. We just thank you, God. We thank you for what the old timers used to call full salvation. We thank you, God, for entire sanctification. What we do? 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May the very God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, mind, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He who calls you. He will do it. And this morning, God, there were people that came and said, I want my heart to be completely clean. Yes, I've come out of sin, but I want sin out of me. And I thank you, God, today that you've done that and you will continue to do that with people in this church and in this community, Father. Now, Father, I thank you that you have transferred every one of us, God, from the low floor to the top floor. You have brought us into the realm of the kingdom and you have enabled us to be seated with you in heavenly realms. God, we're not orphans trying to gain Daddy's attention. We're not, God, orphans trying to beg for you to come down here and help us. You're not up in the sky looking at us, God, through a telescope, hoping, God, that we'll just live a right life, God, with the Bible as our roadmap. I've heard all of that stuff. God, we are seated in heavenly realms, God, being sourced by your spirit, moment by moment by moment by moment. All of the kingdom is backing us up, moment by moment by moment. And everywhere we go, everywhere we walk, God, we God. Isaiah prophesied this. And he said there will be a day when deep darkness would cover over the face of the earth and moral depression would rest on people. But Isaiah said, arise and shine for the glory of God has risen on you. Which means every one of us in this room are carriers of the glory of God. Come on, God. We don't carry the depression of this world. We don't carry angst and offense. We don't Oh God, in Jesus' name. Come on, God, drive away fear. Drive away.
Come on, real quick, if you recite someone you know and you like them, put your hand on their shoulder. Come on, just put your hand on their shoulder. Come on, Father, right now. Come on, God, right now in the name of Jesus, just release your spirit. Come on, release your spirit, God, in Jesus' name. Come on. In Jesus' name, release your spirit through our lives, God. Come on, drive away fear. Drive away oppression. Come on, God. There's people standing in this room, God. They're, they're a little disconcerted with what they heard today. They're not sure about it, God. In the name of Jesus, may they have an encounter with what Jeremiah says, the person of Jesus Christ. May they have an encounter with the reality of this Christ, God. Before the day is over, God. Come on, drive away, God, sickness. Drive away disease, God. Drive away pain, back pain, God. Drive away, God, neck pain, migraines, headaches, God, in Jesus' name. Drive away all that stuff, God. Some people came here, God, with a diagnosis, God, they got. Some have chronic illnesses. And we say, in the authority of Jesus Christ, no more. May Yahweh Rafe, the healer, release, God, a healing over this church, God. May this church walk, God, in supernatural healing in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. We're kingdom people, God. We're kingdom people being sourced by the realm of the kingdom, God. In Jesus' name. We're kingdom people, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Could we real quick, could we real quick today pray for Pastor and his wife? Could you come up here, honey? Bring your family too. Come on, just bring them all up there. Come here, Jeremiah. I love this. Now watch, man. This guy's the this guy's the gatekeeper to this house right here. He could have shut this thing down and said, I don't want you guys to come. But he took a chance. Especially taking a chance on Jeremiah. I'm different. But Jeremiah, that's taking a big chance. But he opened it up, man. And I believe. That the fruit that has just been here this little weekend, you guys are going to stew it for increase. Both of you. Amen. So come on, just stretch out your hands to your pastor, will you? Come on, you guys can lay your hands on them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this precious couple that lead God this house. Oh God. We thank you, Father, that they're open to the kingdom realities that we've been talking Friday and yesterday and today, God. So God, we say in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, yes, they will not shrink back. Come on, cry it out, Jeremiah. They will not shrink back. They will not. They will not, God. They will not shrink back, God. We just declare as In Jesus' name, they'll steward this for increase, God. This church will become, God, a kingdom culture church. In Jesus' name. God, you're going to give wisdom and revelation in Jesus' name to this couple. And I thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord a hand? Come on. He's so good. He's so good. Man. Well, it's a little after 12, buddy. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Bless you, buddy. Anything you want to say? I'm all done.